Hello and welcome to the fourth episode on the history of aviation. I've entitled this one, Wings at War. This episode will cover the transformation by, made by aviation in the relatively short time from balloons to war machines. Aviation went through a transformation in its formative years, and in the first years, ten years of the 20th century, powered flight and various fleets were conquered, and flying became very popular as a pastime. It was, however, seen primarily as an activity for those who could afford it, and those who made the most of it. There was, however, one area that improved aircraft design and technology occurred faster than anything else, the development of aircraft for war. Lighter-than-air balloons for the military had been used back as far as 1794 for observation. After he had flown the English Channel, Louis Blériot and his company had become inundated with orders for more aircraft on both sides of the Atlantic. Some were for pleasure, others were to be used by the military. The Bright Brothers also obtained contracts to build aircraft, both in Europe and for the fledging US Army. All of a sudden there was a plethora of aircraft manufacturers who started to fill a void, as they saw it, not only for the military, but for the pleasure market as well. The advantages of aviation to military authorities became obvious. The Italians had carried out the first reconnaissance flight in 1911 when flying in the Italo-Turkish War. They also dropped the first aerial bomb on Turkish troops in Libya. However, the Turks soon got their aim back by being the first to shoot down an aircraft. They shot it down using a rifle. Three years later, the First World War had started. Tethered balloons were being used for observation and spotting gun position. These were soon replaced with aircraft, who had also become very effective in the air superiority, fighter and bomber role, as well as anti-submarine patrols. This had changed the face of warfare forever. The aeroplane was becoming faster, more manoeuvrable and far more effective. One particular improvement that added to this was the ability to fire through the propeller without shooting it to pieces. Ideas submitted including metal deflectors on the blades. By far the better idea was an interrupted gear that was installed that fired the gun when the blade was not directly in front of the nozzle. The wings at this point were used to support bomb racks so the pilot could release them when he thought he was over his target. This was particularly prevalent in the single-seat aircraft. In the two-seater, you had the pilot and gunner, or pilot and photographer. In the pilot and gunner scenario, the pilot was invariably in the front, with observer-slash-gunner in the cockpit behind. The gun was on a swivel, so it could point towards the enemy aircraft at almost any angle possible. It also meant that the pilot had a clear review in front of him. The majority of aircraft during the First World War were biplanes, and on some aircraft a gun was fitted on a curved slide on the top wing. This took the line of fire away from the arc of the propeller and gave a fairly unrestricted view of the enemy above. This was in single-seat aircraft, so the pilot had to multitask at height. In other two-seat aircraft, a camera would have been fitted at the side of the aircraft, and the camera operator would shout directions to the pilot to enable getting decent photographs of artillery and troop positions. Changing the film was a task in itself, being careful not to drop it. Experiments were being made as to the best layout of an aircraft, and what had become conventional prevailed, but not without the odd, weird design making an appearance. There was an aircraft that had an unusual configuration with the gunner in the front cockpit, the pilot behind him, and then the pilot behind him, pushing the aircraft. This particular aircraft was known as the Vickers Gun Bus. The primary benefit to this was the unrestricted view out the front.
Balloons were easy targets for the fighters, and that being tethered there was no escape and they were sitting targets. But as they were filled with helium, their envelope exploded when fired on, and the soldiers in the baskets below were lucky to escape alive in these attacks, if they escaped at all. The average life expectancy of a First World War pilot was between 69 flying hours and three weeks. They had little training, due in part to the important aircraft were playing in the war and how quickly events were moving, and the powers that be were crying out for people to go out fighting as soon as possible. Between the wars, there were many skirmishes or little battles around the world that used aircraft, most notably the Spanish Civil War. This is where a lot of German pilots had perfected their formation flying and combat experience. Aircraft had become faster and more powerful. Designs had changed, including the desire for monoplanes. Biplanes were being phased out. One development that had come about before the First World War, but has certainly been used extensively since, was that of aircraft at sea. Balloons had been attached to ships as early as 1849. The first powered aircraft launched from a ship was in 1910, after the creation of the seaplane. Aircraft had been on a temporary platform fixed over the battleship's guns. They could land on water, but required winching back on deck by using the ship's cranes. The first flatbed aircraft carriers were designed and built in the 1920s. This made naval warfare far more effective. Launching an aircraft was an issue, but the use of catapults was becoming the norm. These were either mechanical or rocket-powered. After the Second World War, the steam catapult was developed by the Royal Navy and has been the main form of carrier-borne takeoff since. Landing or retrieving an aircraft was now an issue. To overcome this, an arrestor wire was laid across the deck. A hook was fitted to the rear of the aircraft by the tailwheel with the early designs and that was lowered on landing. It would catch the cable, slow the aircraft down and bring it to a safe stop. One development between the wars that has changed the way aircraft are designed even today, and not just for war, was the invention of the jet engine. It was invented by RAF officer recruit Frank Whittle. This in itself led to all sorts of challenges, not least the challenge of speed and the one-time mythical sound, speed of sound. It, it was designed in 1930, but the British were very slow at accepting this new power source. The Germans were the first to fly a jet aircraft with the HE-178 in 1939. Britain's first jet aircraft, the Gloucester E-2839 Whittle, flew in 1941. The world's first operational jet aircraft was the German Messerschmitt ME-262, which flew in 1944. Thankfully, too late to help change the outcome of the Second World War. These developments and inventions have all been concerning the fixed-wing aircraft. Yet, if we go back to the first episode in this series we will see another type of aircraft have been designed by Leonardo da Vinci, the helicopter. Spanish engineer Juan de la Sierra developed the closest thing to a helicopter that flew, the autogyro. It first flew in, in January 1923. It was a machine using a conventional engine in the front and above the pilot on pylons were three rotating rotor blades. As the aircraft moved forward, the blades rotated, creating lift. It had stubby monoplane wings, but the main effect was a shorter takeoff and landing distance and slower flying speed if required. This made it ideal for observation and coastal work. This led to the helicopter as we know it, a very versatile machine that can take off and land vertically, a useful addition to any armed service, especially a navy, for anti-submarine and search and rescue duties. 
The world's first practical helicopter flew in 1936. It was a Fokker 61 from Germany. It used the design of the Sierra Autogyro, but the engine powered two sets of rotor blades. Two prototypes were built, but no production machine was built because of the start of the Second World War. Igor Sikorsky, a Russian emigre to the USA, built and flew a helicopter in 1939. In 1943, the Sikorsky R4, modified into the YR4B, became the first helicopter in mass production and the first to launch from a ship's deck. It was also the first helicopter in combat when it rescued four servicemen from Burma in 1944. The next episode, Speed and Comfort, Dawn of the Airliner and the Race to Go Faster Than Before. Any questions or particular queries, please please email me at thehangarat at gmail.com. Thank you.